by former quarterback Jim Ballard, now Coach Ballard, working with quarterbacks, especially around Northeast Ohio. Enjoyed an illustrious career at Mount Union College, where he set all kinds of records and is now in the College Football Hall of Fame. From there, he went on and played in the NFL, in NFL Europe, in the Canadian Football League, as well as the Arena Football League from 1994 to 2003. So, Coach, a lot of things we could list as, as the honors you've received along the way, but you had an outstanding career as a quarterback, and now you're taking knowledge and your expertise and applying that to helping others. So, great to have you here on the podcast. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Coach, you came up the other day. We were talking with Mike Sirianni, head football coach at Washington and Jefferson, and, and someone you played ball with, and he had mentioned that you trained one of their quarterbacks. It's not surprising to see, especially around co- small colleges around Ohio here, that there are a lot of guys who you've been able to help and tutor and bring them to a position where they're competing for or gaining a starting job in their programs. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. And Coach Sirianni's done a heck of a job at W&J. He's the winningest coach there in, in the school's history. And one of my quarterbacks, Jake Adams, out of Louisville High School, who only started one year in high school, but the one year he started was, was just outstanding. He threw for almost 3,000 yards and 32 touchdowns and led Louisville to, I believe, the third or fourth round. They lost to Hoban. When Hoban it was the year that Hoban won their first state championship. It was a close game, and they just came up a little bit short. But, but Jake's a sophomore right now. He's coming out of spring ball. He's going to be the starter. He started three or four games last year and did an outstanding job, and he's going he's gonna to have a heck of a year. And I'm excited for, for Coach Sirianni, and I'm excited for Jake as well. Coach, I've had the opportunity to come out and, and watch you work at Canal Fulton Northwest High School where you do a lot of your, your training and working with guys. And in particular, you were working with my nephew, Seth, who now is going on to play football at Heidelberg College. But I was very impressed by the setup you had there. And then the other thing that was interesting to me is high school coaches there as well. Those guys just watching and learning, seeing some of their guys perform. But you usually don't see that guy who is the quote-unquote quarterback guru working hand-in-hand with the high school coach. Yeah, you're, you're correct when you say that. And the coaches that I do have really good relationships with, and now I'm not trying to say that I know everything, but I want to get to know the coach as, as much as I can and try and figure out if, if I'm teaching one thing and he's teaching another, the last thing that you want is a quarterback who's hesitant and, and not sure of what he's doing. So the best thing that I can do is if I have an interest from a quarterback is to try and reach out to the coach and say, hey, one of your quarterbacks wants to work with me. I'd really like it if, if, if possible if, you, if you'd come out and check out what I'm doing, see if the, the things that what I'm teaching is, is what you're teaching, and that way we just – stay on the same page because the, the coach doesn't isn't able to spend as much time as he'd like to a lot of times with quarterbacks and if I can be that guy that can hand deliver him quarterback all the philosophies and all the footwork that he wants I'm just an extension of him and, and, the, and the kid usually has a, a pretty good season. Jim was it always I guess as easy to do as as maybe it is now I know you've especially in northeast Ohio you certainly are a credible expert on quarterback play, and guys have seen your work and the results of your work. But early on, was it an easy thing to do to get, get that high school coach on board with you? No, it's not. And, and it, there, you still get some pushback from coaches and just being territorial and maybe a little egotistical about what they know and what they think they know. And 
a lot of coaches that have been around for a long time, they're, they're stuck in their ways a little bit and that's okay. I mean, again, I'm not saying that I know everything about quarterback play, but I've been playing and coaching it since I was seven. So I'm about 39 years in now. And as you said, I had a, a pretty good career and the, the kids that I've worked with over the years, the, the, the proof's in the pudding. I've had a lot of kids with, with a lot of success, a lot of all state quarterbacks, some of the things that I do are off the field as well as on. I break down a lot of film with kids, trying to help them understand how to manage the game, how to be in certain situations, anticipate different things. And once you're able to take the game for, for a young quarterback and slow it down and just let the athlete be, be the athlete, that's when they really elevate their game. But I think the most important thing that you can teach kids is truly to be able to understand defenses and situations and just know that man when I'm in the red zone it's first down there's no way that I'm gonna I'm gonna try and force the ball I'm gonna throw it away I'm not gonna take a sack I, I know that I've got other downs to try and to try and score so it's just being disciplined and coming up with a mindset to get kids to buy in and if, if you win a turnover game whether you're in high school college or pro there's there's at least an 80 percent chance that you're going to come out with a win coaching your time as a, a quarterback you actually won the first Gagliardi Trophy, which is equivalent for our listeners out there. It's equivalent to the Heisman Trophy, but it's for Division Three. So it's for the, the outstanding Division Three college football player. You won the very first one that was awarded in 1993. And then down the line, in 2013-2014, one of your students, Kevin Burke, went on to win that. And I know you worked heavily with Kevin in, in helping him develop over the course of his career and, and now He's here locally in, in Avon, Ohio, doing work with quarterbacks as well. What was that like for you and seeing that one of your guys was able to go on and, and do some outstanding things? And obviously, I'm sure it means even more because he went to Mount Union and was your alma mater as well. Yeah, I, I, spent, I didn't spend a ton of time with Kevin, but I did spend some time with him. And he was a great student of the game. He was a tremendous competitor. Anybody that knows him, he's, he's, he's a great kid. What an outstanding career. He's the only two-time uh, Gallardi Trophy winner. Uh, he won a national championship, and I, b- I believe at least one, maybe two. Yep. There's just been so many the last few years that I can't <laughs> seem to keep them all straight. <laughs> but, yeah, he, 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 he did a, gr- a great job. It was a lot of fun to work with him and, and spend time with him, obviously him being a Mount guy. Another kid that went to Mount and started a couple years ago was Dom Davis, who I've worked with since he was in eighth grade went to St. V. He actually went to the state semifinals and lost to a team with a quarterback named Joe Burroughs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Dom had a, had a really good freshman year at Mount. He's the only Mount Union quarterback to ever win three road games in the playoffs. He ended up transferring a couple years ago, this past year to Walsh. So I'm excited for him and his opportunities. But anytime that I can work with guys that have played at Mount, it's, it's a special feeling knowing that the tr- tradition and the excellence that the program has achieved and with me playing there as well. And I know from my nephew having done some work with you is you have kind of a very flexible, I guess, curriculum for quarterbacks and you kind of meet their needs and what they're looking for. But for those guys who dad brings them to you, maybe at a young age, eighth grade, whatever it might be, and they want you to train them from, from A to Z, teach me to be a quarterback. What does that curriculum look like for you? Like you said, it, it's very flexible. I, I think it's hard to just come up with a baseline 
this is the program I'm going to use with this kid, with this kid, with this kid, with this kid, with this kid. Because let's be honest, you, you've, you've been around the game a long time, Keith. Yep. Each kid, whether they're eight years old or 10 years old or 12 years old, they each have a different skill set. And some of the things that this quarterback might need to work on isn't necessarily what this quarterback needs. So what I do is I kind of talk to the parents and get their input on what they see, what they, what they think their son needs to work on. I'll also talk to the, to the quarterback, what do you want to get better at? What, what are some things that you, you have questions on? And then if possible, sit down and, and watch some of the film, whether they're in sixth grade, seventh grade, or eighth grade, whatever it is, at least it gives you an idea on how they move, how they throw the ball, maybe their drops, how they run. And then you come up, from, come up with that from all those things, kind of a plan to, to, to spend time with them and then develop them. And then also within the first five or 10 minutes, you can always see a couple of things that uh, right away that kids don't do. A lot of times when they, when they step to throw the football, they're left, they end up throwing with their left foot pointed in the opposite direction. So basically what I'm trying to say is they're throwing across their body. That left foot isn't open outside of their target, which doesn't allow them to, to really finish the throw, to really rotate their hips through. Maybe they're baseball guys where they're throwing from the ear and not getting a lot of arm extension when they throw. Maybe they're not bringing their, a lot of times too, a lot of kids don't bring their back leg all the way through the throw. So it's just more of an arm throw instead of getting your core and your hips through the throw. So with all those things, it's pretty easy to come up with a plan to, to develop a quarterback. And as I said, each kid's a little bit different. Some kids that are, that are older might come in in high school and say, you know what, coach, these are the things that I'm really lacking. This is what coach says I need to do, do to get better. This is what I need. And we, we just go. That way, the, the, the parent has a, has a, a say in the investment. Uh, the, the, the quarterback has a say in it. So he's taking ownership of, of each workout coming into it. Okay, on this workout, this is what I want to do. And that way it maximizes our time together. And then obviously there's certain things that I'll do with them. I'm a real, a real heavy footwork guy as far as taking drops and, and keeping your base in balance and a lot of different drills to help kids do that. So that's been the best, most efficient way that I've come up with to to train kids. And the success that they've had has, has proven that it's it's working. I think we see a lot of the drills that are out there to help improve mechanics, help improve the throws. What kind of things are you doing to help increase the football IQ of the quarterback? I think the, the football IQ starts, first of all, just knowing your offense, just understanding what, what you're doing. I think that if you don't first and foremost know your own offense, you're going to be questioning, well, he does this, and then he's supposed to run a curl. And I mean, you, you don't have that kind of time. I mean, it's a, it's a four-second type of thing where you've got to know what the play is, know where your receivers are, have an idea what the defense is doing, process, and get the ball out. So – as far as increasing football IQ, I just think that that comes from a lot of film study, understanding the game, not just watching your own film, but when you watch a football game, try and analyze it a little bit, try and figure out why would he throw that ball in third, those, those type of things. Be more of a, an observer, not just, just watching the game. I know in, in looking at the market you're in, the quarterback development market, that you probably come across some parents at times who – maybe want to complain a little bit about maybe the system their son is playing in and it's not going to get him the exposure he needs and we should be doing this or that. And I think they, they fail to see sometimes that a coach, certainly most coaches are going to build around a quarterback's talents, 
but they have to fit the other pieces in as well. And sometimes while that that parent might want to see the the offense is going to put him out there and th- have him throw forty times a game, the rest of the team isn't suited to that. Uh, what kind of things and advice do you give to parents that I guess help calm them down in that regard, and I guess in some ways indirectly help support what the coach is doing at the high school? Just what you said. I, that, that's, that's, that's a great point. Every parent, every parent wants to see their son throw the ball a lot, <laughs> but sometimes that, that might not be what's suited best for, for the team. So it's, it's, it's a hard thing when you're trying to figure out where you want to go to high school, it's getting to the point where it's, it's, it's pretty much like college. If, for example, Perry run, Maslin Perry runs the wing tee. They've mm-hmm. run the wing tee for years. They're very good at it. They win a lot of games. But if my son's a quarterback in Perry, I'm not going to let him go to Perry. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing against the coach because he's an unbelievable coach. He's been there a long time. They win a lot of games. But I don't want him to run the, the wing tee. Maybe he's not a wing tee quarterback. Maybe he's maybe he ends up being six foot three or four like me, and I'd rather see him in shotgun and allow him to show the skill set that he has. So it, it, it's a tough thing dealing with that sometimes but you just like you said you just got to point out that even though your son is able to throw 30 times a game the offensive line just might not hold up they're not very good you might not have receivers that are very good so then it it doesn't come down to your son being the focus of the offense throwing 30 or 40 times a game he might only throw 10 or 15 we're going to play action pass we're going to run the ball and try and mix it in and at the end of the day you just want the parents to know that if your son is that good with the limited amount of throws, he, he can still go to camps and he can still showcase himself and he can still get a scholarship. Absolutely. I, I think that's the important thing, Jim, is that because there are certainly those parents who will move their son around and look for the school district that's going to be a fit. Nothing against that. That's That's one way to handle it. But there's the kid who he's committed to that school. He grew up in that district. He wants to be with his friends. He wants to play in that and along the line develop these skills. He can still get himself seen. He can still go out and and maybe they'll throw the 15-yard comeback on the sideline in his offense, but it's something that coaches would like to see. He can get those things on film. He can go out to one-day camps or to to colleges and, and show them his skills outside of what he's doing in his offense to help highlight those things. I absolutely agree with you. That you're exactly right. Mark Porter does an outstanding job on Scotting Ohio. It's a premier website in the state of Ohio. I'm sure you're very familiar with it. Yep. But he posts all kinds of camps. He's already got the camps camps camp season set up for June. So there's a ton of opportunities for kids. And and if you're a quarterback anymore, it's it's a position where coaches can't afford to miss. So they're not going to offer you on film alone. So what you do is you you do you go to their camp days you you run well you you test well and you just you throw well I mean that's that's the only thing that you can do and there's been quarterbacks that that haven't had huge numbers in high school but they've been winners and they've still gotten scholarships so there's definitely opportunities there's so many opportunities for kids now to showcase themselves absolutely and I think part of that goes to making a, a highlight that is going to show off some of those things. Knowing that full well, you may not have those things in your offense that, that coaches want to see, though. So you kind of need to put together a checklist of what are some of the throws you need to get on tape. 
I think the other thing that I always recommend for quarterbacks especially is to give some context to the things that you're showing as highlights. Set up a section, for example, where you're showing that you progressed from your first look to your second look or your third look, that you've gone through a progression. So the coach can be seeing that, okay, now I understand what he's doing in the scheme. Here's what he showed about his football IQ. Here's what he showed about his decision-making in this particular play. Yeah, I agree. If, if you're limited on what you what you have on tape, you just got to highlight it and showcase it as best as you can. That's a good point. Moving across the progression, being able to throw on the run, just being athletic, maybe on some zone read stuff, and then by not turning the ball over and having a high touchdown to interception ratio, it, it does. It shows a high football IQ. It shows how you, how you take care of the ball. It shows that you don't make a lot of mistakes. So all, all those things are, are definitely good things to get on tape. And those are some of the things that I talk about with my quarterback. Some of the things that, that I can offer my parents too is outside of me being just, all right, I'm going to take my son. He's going to work on his footwork and he's going to get better. I've got a lot of relationships with coaches, good relationships with Mark Porter and guys like that that can help with the recruiting process, just putting them in contact with different connections I have as far as speed and agility guys, when I train a quarterback and work with them, I want to be a guy that isn't just, all right, we'll see you next lesson. I don't want to be the lesson guy. I want to be the guy that, that kids feel comfortable if something goes wrong, that they can pick up the phone and call. If parents have questions about recruiting, you know, I can put that on, that hat on. I put the hat on where I've had to have come to Jesus talk with, with kids at times about decisions that they're making and things that they're doing outside of the game. So just try and be, as much as I can for parents and, and advise them as, as best I can, especially with the recruiting process, because it's such a grind mm-hmm. and there's so many questions and there's so many, it's just, it's frustrating. And, and, it, and the more I'm around, the, the less things seem to make sense to me. Yeah. I don't know how it is for you, but <laughs> <laughs> some things that I see coaches don't really, they don't really care or they see things different. So it is what it is. And you just try to advise parents and kids as best as you can. Jim, I know you watch a lot of football, both live and on on video, on TV, all those kinds of things from every level. What are some of the things you find yourself consistently having to train, I guess, or or maybe re-educate players on that you feel like we need to get things these things right in order for you to excel at this position? I just I think it comes down to when you're going to throw the ball, you, you have to have a good base. If you watch Tom Brady throw the ball, he's he's not the most athletic quarterback to ever play. And I saw, I saw something on Twitter that really kind of gave me an aha moment. I had been teaching it, but it was a really powerful, powerful tweet. And what it said was, and it was a little video, when, when quarterbacks get their shoulders parallel to the line of scrimmage, we're going to be in trouble. Yep. So when when you're moving in the pocket, it's so important to slide with your back foot and reset and keep your base and keep your left shoulder perpendicular to the line of scrimmage. Because even if you can't step to throw the ball with rush, you can at least rotate your hips and your shoulders and generate power and velocity that way. Brady, Brady's the best. I mean, I came up with a, what I call a swing start when as, as something to, to get us started when we throw the football. And that is, your left, if you're right-handed quarterback, your left shoulder swings or turns towards the target, which starts our mechanics to step and then to throw the football. 
he always has his feet in a position to be able to make a throw, regardless of what's going on in front of him. He's so good at doing that. And then you got guys like Aaron Rodgers that it doesn't matter how his shoulders are. That guy can make any throw from any angle, any area of the field. He's, he's amazing to watch. And some of the throws that he, he makes and how he's able to generate the velocity with having the shoulders parallel, and it's, it's, it's an incredible thing to watch. I know with a quarterback position, you do have to have some flexibility and work within what that kid, where that kid's at right now. You're not necessarily going to change everything overnight. For you, what are some of the, the non-negotiables, the things that you really want to see, you really want them to get done and to be able to do in their repertoire as a quarterback? I think, first of all, you've you got to be a leader. And with the position of quarterback, there, there comes a lot. There's no other position in any sport that is demanding as what quarterback is. And if you really want to play at a high level, you got to not only know what you're doing, but you got to know where everybody else is doing on the field as well. You're going to have guys in the huddle, especially in high school, that Johnny's dumber than a sack of hammers. But when Johnny knows what to do, he's pretty good. So what do you do as a quarterback? Do you just rely on the fact and hope he's going to know the play or – if need be, you tell him what to do every single play so you can guarantee that he's going to be able to make plays when he's, when he's asked to, and he's going to end up being where he's supposed to. So you got to be a leader in the huddle. you got to be able to, to elevate the, the, the level of, of your players. The great quarterbacks always have an ability to, to make players around them better. And as a quarterback, you need to be one of the first guys in and one of the last guys out. I think that, that in itself is – one of the most important things that you can be as a quarterback. You need to have guys believe in you because when, when, the, when the stuff starts hitting the fan, you're the guy that, that has the ball every single play, whether you're handing it off or if you are throwing it. How do you, as a guy who's, who's an individual training quarterbacks, you mentioned you had 24 at your last session this past weekend. So you got 24 guys out there from different places how do you start to make that work, that leadership thing? How does that become part of the training as well on the field as you're working these guys through a session? You just keep training them, and hopefully they, the, the, the better they get, the more confident they get. I mean, you, you can't fake confidence as a quarterback. It's just, it's just an impossible thing to do. You just have to continue to put the work in. You just got to hone your skills. And what I tell kids is, you know, certain things that they do – I can't fix it once a week, meaning if, if a kid drops the ball down to his hip before he brings it back up, kind of like what Tim Tebow used to do, right. if you can picture that, as a football guy, that can't be fixed once a week. So it's up to the kid, the quarterback, to take all the things that I'm telling him to do and, and, and work on it during the week. you gotta, you got to get the tools out and, and go to work. Once a week isn't going to get it done. So they just have to continually work on the game and try and work on the things that I'm telling them to do and form new habits, form new muscle memory, and get the mechanics down as, as best that they can. Jim, you last played the game in 2003, and from a schematic standpoint, so much has, has changed since then. I'm sure being at Mount Union, you probably made a living on roll pass. I'm, I'm sure that was part of your repertoire, right? <laughs> <laughs> we were the roll pass <laughs> that's i mean it, it's it started with us and kind of in the infancy stage my sophomore year we used it a lot my junior year and then my senior year I, I remember one playoff game against allegheny we ran roll pass 24 times in the first half 
<laughs> and then once I ended, I ended up getting released from Miami in 94, I went back to Mount and I wanted to coach and Coach Karras looked at me. He's like, all right, I want four new variations of the roll pass. <laughs> what are we going to do now? So it grew even more. So yeah, we ran roll pass to death. And the thing is about that and about me, I was a six foot four, 220 pound quarterback and I never took a shotgun snap at Mount. Mm-hmm. And most of what we threw was on some sort of half roll or half sprint. So Mount Union is pretty much all shotgun now. Yeah. You know, and that came from Matt Campbell to Jason Candle. There's so much zone read stuff now. Yeah, it's 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 definitely different. And I, I'll tell you what, I'd, I'd love, I would have loved to run some of the the stuff kids are running now. I mean, and it's, snap the ball every twelve, eight, eight or ten seconds. Are you kidding me? <laughs> have the ability to, <laughs> ability to throw it on every play as well, whether that's pre-snap look or something that you're reading post-snap. The RPO obviously is a big part of it. What are you doing to train your guys in, in that respect? Do you do any training with them and work on some of the decision-making with the run-pass option? Yeah, it, it, it's tough to simulate in a workout. In Ohio, you can't really do seven-on-sevens except for about a month. So a lot of that will come into play with, with film work and stuff, just being able to read and understand what you're what you're looking at. We do a ton of the RPO footwork, though, off-the-zone read and half-roll and, and stuff like that. I try and line up coverages at times to give kids an idea on, on what we're looking at and how you're supposed to read it and where the dead zones are and where to attack and where the strengths and weaknesses are. So it's hard to simulate a lot of that on the field just because you don't have a full defense out there, but we do the best that we can. And most of that, again, comes from breaking down their film and, and helping them see it. And then it translates on the field. And then we go to work on, all right, remember watching this, this setup, a cover three, that outside linebacker comes down, you're two by two, he comes inside he got the bubble and if the corner's soft and you know just examples like that so that's pretty much how I've been trying to get kids to understand and, and utilize those those types of things. Jim what piece of advice do you have for the young quarterback coach maybe at the high school level even at the college level those guys who once the season hits they maybe become a little bit more focused on on scheme than they are on coaching the the fine points, the mechanics of the game. What advice do you have to coaches to help continue to develop their players throughout the year? That's a good point. And some coaches get a little nervous about kids working with with guys like me in season. But honestly, like you said, it's tough for coaches to really sit down and watch film with their quarterbacks. A A lot of coaches and a lot of teams don't have that ability, whether it's the quarterback coach not being in the building or whatever it is, I would love the opportunity to, to, to sit down and, and watch film with their kids play by play, which I do a ton of during the season. And the guys that I've, I've done that with have had really good years. For example, Jarrett Pilata was a first team all state guy last year. Luke Lindsay had a great, great year last year at St. V. Dylan Bagley from Worcester was a first year starter last year. He almost had almost 3000 yards of total offense. And then if, if, if there's an issue with things that are going on in the game, whether it's drops or just certain throws or certain situations. I, I also do a, a group workout every Sunday during the season so that now when we're in season, it's not so much about the drills and all the, that kind of stuff. It's what do we need to fix right now that you're having an issue with that's causing you to not play at the level that you want. 
let's go to work on that. I, I call that in-season fix mode. We got to fix it now so you feel comfortable going up the next week. So for those young guys out there, I guess your advice would be, number one, if there's somebody locally you can rely on to, to help augment what you're doing, to be in touch with them, to work, be able to work with them hand-in-hand hand on some of those things. And number two is, is probably that you do have to find some time as a coach. We have all kinds of ability to do that sometime remotely right now, but that's something your guys need, and I think that's what you're able to do with them as well is provide them some of that one-to-one coaching maybe that they can't get at their high school team. I agree. And and there's a lot there's a lot of teams that that are that are able to do that, but it's just it's tough. I mean, as as a high school coach, you've only got so much time and during the week it's it's preparing for the the following Friday, then on Saturday you get up and a lot of times you watch the the the, the film as as a team and then you know, you get little bits and pieces of of what you need to work on and you might not at that point you might not even watch the whole game cuz half the coaching staff was out coaching the JV game. And then they got a game prep on Saturday and then game prep Sunday. And then we're back out on Monday for a walkthrough Tuesday, Wednesday, we got big practices. And then Thursday we got a walkthrough and then Friday we're game. So it's, it's, it's tough on coaches a time to, to be able to have that one-on-one time with their, with their players and however they can do it, it, it needs to be done because the most important thing that you can, you can teach a quarterback is how to understand film and how to attack defenses and, and making good decisions with the football. Jim, I appreciate you taking the time to talk with us here on the podcast, and best of luck to you as you continue to develop guys around Northeast Ohio. Thank you so much for the time, Keith. I really appreciate you allowing me to be on your show. Thanks again for listening to the Coaching Coordinator Podcast. Please check out all we're doing at coachandcoordinator.com. Got some great things coming for you in May, and for the last three months or so of this offseason, we'll be back with all in on offense and our deep dive on defense. And we have some great interviews with coaches as well as some quick casts that we'll throw in there. Check out all we're doing again at coachandcoordinator.com and follow me on Twitter at Coach K Grabowski.